Welcome, folks, to the Goose Gossip Podcast. I'm your host, Levi Gerke. Thank you for tuning in. I have on a lot of great guests that come on to the show. Also have an Instagram and Facebook. Just look up the Goose Gossip Podcast. Helps you stay updated with new guest speakers as well as some great content. This podcast is brought to you by the following. Molt Gear. For 16 years, Molt Gear has been bringing the hunt hard, hunt alive philosophy with their lineup of calls, instructional material, and apparel. Each call is tuned by the owner of three-time World Live Goose Calling Champion Scott Trinan, based in the heart of Goose Country, Rochester, Minnesota. Check them out at www.moltgear.com. Dakota Decoy Company, established in 2007. Dakota Decoy Company has built and grown the company to offer a full lineup of top-quality decoys, blinds, and accessories that you, the demanding hunter, not only expects, but deserves. Located in Vermilion, South Dakota, along the Missouri River. Or check them out on www.dakotadecoy.com. Premium gunning decoys for demanding hunters. Mallard Bay is an Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking guided hunting and fishing adventures. The Mallard Bay platform was built by sportsmen for sportsmen, and their mission is to help expand access to affordable and successful hunting by connecting you with verified outfitters across the U.S. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and make your deposit with a credit card. Fastest and easiest way to book a guided trip with a verified outfitter, go to www.mallardbay.com. Other guys' outfitters, home to one of the biggest concentrations of waterfowl in the United States. Great people, great hunting. Reach out to them on their Instagram and message them to book your hunt now or you will not want to miss out on their hunts next year. Bourbon Media prides themselves in being the leader in all things digital marketing for the outdoors industry. Websites, social media management, paid advertising, SEO, logo and design, and content creations. Focus more on your business and let the professionals at Bourbon Media increase your company's digital profits. Contact them on Instagram or Facebook at Bourbon Media or reach out to them on their website at bourbon-media.com. Webfoot Waterfowl Co., the most comfortable and trustworthy lanyards you can buy. Many options available from color to size. Head over to their website, www.webfootwaterfowl.com. As well, you can find them on Instagram. Go check out their product. I have several of their lanyards. Love every single one I have. K2 Coolers, established in 2011 with a commitment to design a quality cooler that would give years of reliable service at very affordable prices. Located in Broussard, Louisiana, check them out at www.k2-coolers. When you think of K2 coolers, think real value, real cold. Big thank you out to all my listeners for enjoying this podcast as much as I do. It is great hearing from all the great feedback from all my listeners. Sit back and enjoy this episode. Folks, to another episode of the Goose Gossip Podcast. And we got a, a little interesting episode that's going to carry on throughout the season or even past the season. Um, I'm going to call it Monthly Molt Gear with Scott. Uh, we're going to start with early tactics and early season. Um, Scott, you want to start it off with some boom tactics that you would do like right off the bat? <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. this will be fun. Just, uh, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit and just kind of kind of go through the season as as we go through it as 
all hunters pretty much across the the country go for it and you know it's now uh early august so we're uh i think we're one month to the date i think we open up september 3rd here in minnesota um and today's august 3rd so yeah the geese uh um they just started flying this week at least around here some people said they've seen a few last week i seen my first ones this week so uh you know they're starting to you know reposition um themselves you know that's one thing that uh, uh canada geese really do this time of year you know after they uh they go through the hatch and then they 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 pretty much transport their brood somewhere to a bigger body of water or to something with grass so where land meets grass city parks you know big cattle ponds stuff like that you know they transport them and now once they can get in the air then they might really move you know they might move you know 20 miles to a bigger body of water or they might move into a town or they might move somewhere else so you're seeing a lot of uh transition of canada geese right now um and you're gonna witness that over the next you know 30 days um of watching these things and one thing that you're gonna see a lot of um, and you see it every single year and you hear about it every year. And, uh, you know, we get, uh, a lot of questions about it, mm-hmm. calls about it is guys will say, you know, they've been scouting, uh, geese, you know, there was geese in the field and then four days before season, they're gone. They vanish. Uh, they, you know, there's no geese around. They moved, they did this, they did that, you know, and that's just Canada geese. You know, they've been doing that for, uh, forever, and it seems like the years that they get to flight stage earlier, they have a tendency to do it more on that year. What I mean by this is sometimes it's a really late spring, and it's a really late molt where you know geese use lose their primary feathers, their flight feathers, and then when they come out of molt, you know, on average, I'm not, I I don't know the average right here around our area i'm going to say usually on average they they start flying again i'm going to say around august 7th 8th 9th 10th right in that time frame okay that seems like the average to me and this year reports were coming in they were flying july 25th so you're two weeks you know ahead of time so that's a pretty early stage to back to flight that tendency is that these geese are probably going to disappear a week before season. It's just, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you'll see it on social media, you'll hear it. It's like, man, we had geese and all of a sudden they're gone. These geese just have a tendency for some reason. I don't know why, uh, but they just, it's like they disappear. I think they head back north. They might go a couple hundred miles. They might go 40 miles. They might, you know, and you would think, you know, that they would they would be getting more in their comfort zone and getting right. adapted to the area as more crops get picked and stuff like that, but they don't. They just they head back north. And people that go from riches, they go to rags. And people that don't have anything go to rags, go to riches for some reason. You know, it's just it's just a tendency of the Canada goose, and it and it happens to happen more on years they get to flight early. And I think that's going to probably be. Uh, you know, one of those tendencies, um, not sure why they do it. They just do it. So one thing I would say is, um, you know, I know everybody has the itch, um, obviously to get out and get back hunting. Just don't put too many eggs in one basket on a field, um, because you're going to see a lot of, a lot of crop harvest, uh, a lot of sweet corn starting to come out now. 
uh, some oats are coming out. You're going to have wheat. You're going to have, uh, um, you know, rains. You might get a five-inch rain, four-inch rain. Third week in August, it fills up a cattle pond that wasn't there before, stuff like that. So just just accept that this is really a time of year where, where geese are going to shift a lot. You know, they're going to move around a lot. They might find a pick pea field this time of year that's going out, and there might be you know, like there's one here in Rochester on the north side of town. They picked the peas about two weeks ago. There's probably 250 geese in it. I can guarantee you in two weeks they're not going to be in there. That's you know, a, so that's the biggest problem. It's like you watch geese this early season. Oh yeah, and you're so hype or not hype. You're just so excited in all realms, and then it comes to opener and you or the day before opener, and you're running to that feed, and you're just upset from all get out absolutely you know if there's one thing predictable about early season geese is they're totally unpredictable um and that's changed a little bit over the course of time i think in 2000 and i want to say six or seven don't quote me on the year but you know when they first started the early season in minnesota you had to be 100 yards away from water really any kind of water and personally i felt that made early season goose hunting a lot better um because it kept birds on their water source, whether it was their roost or their loaf pond transitioning. Well, in 2006 or seven, they opened it up to water. And the thought was more opportunity for more hunters. I get that. But what it does is, is a lot of guys on opening morning, they'll go in there, they'll jump the roost, they'll hunt the roost um, and stuff like that, or hunt the loaf pond, which is okay. Uh, But they'll primarily hunt the roost or jump the roost. And those geese, they just, they're out of that area. They're gone. They'll move into town somewhere. Um, you know, right now, Rochester and the, the 64 mile square refuge, I'm going to say we have, uh, 1500 to 2000 geese. We open September 3rd by September 7th or 8th. That number will double just because of the local geese in the 30 to 40 mile radius will get shot off their roost, whether it's a, a river system, a big pond, a lake that they're using, whatever it may be they'll push into town where they're safe and then, you know, nobody can hunt them again, you know, inside the refuge. So, um, you know, that's, that's put a, a twist in early season goose hunting, uh, is when they open it up to water. Cause that definitely pushes birds around quite a bit, you know, whether it's a, a five mile jump to the next town, the next pond, the next roost, whatever it is, or a 40, 50 mile jump, you know, you have a lot of transition going on those first couple days of geese that, you know, get shot off their water source. Right. And the scouting has to be, or is a biggest factor when it comes to all things of goose hunting and duck hunting. But when it comes to early season goose hunting, what do you see becomes a really good scouting tactic with how unpredictable they are through the years that you've been doing it? Sure. Well, you know, it's, 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 it's it's really came down to luck. I don't want to say yeah. that, but right. but there there is there is some uh, there in and, and what I mean by that is once you have everything you know figured out as far as scouting wise, then I mean you're just in the hands of God. Hopefully they come back, you know. <laughs> uh, but when I'm scouting, uh, you know, there's three primary things early season that I look for, um, and there's th- those are the three things that geese use. I look for their roost, where they're coming from, you know, where are they sleeping at night, where are they, what, what they're coming off of. I'm looking for their feed field because generally speaking, uh, early season geese will get up off their roost. They'll go to the feed field. So I'm looking for the roost. I'm looking for the feed field. And then the third thing I'm looking for is their loaf. Uh, generally speaking, 
Goose will get off the roost. He'll go to the feed field. From the feed field, he'll go to the day loaf. And what a day loaf is, he'll be there from 9 till, you know, 5 o'clock that night or 5.30. It's somewhere he goes and spends, you know, the midday, so to speak, you know, farm ponds, cattle ponds, uh, stuff like that. Primarily something with grass around it, a pasture. Um, and then, you know, he'll go back to his feed field at night. And then from there, he'll go to his roost, which is usually a bigger, more secure body of water for him. So when I'm scouting, I kind of try to find those three things, you know, and, you know, not only to know where the geese are, what they're doing, but also to try to get in one of those intersections, you know, get underneath them, especially if I can't get the, the feed field, especially if I can't hunt the roost. I mean, the, the loaf. So you try to get one in their transition points, you know, see right. which direction they're coming off, see how they're flying, uh, you know, what fields they're cutting over, uh, pick those fields that are cut or that are huntable in between there. So primarily three locations, I think, for early season geese, you know, the roost, the feed field, and the loaf. And would you believe that early season these geese, they, they do get, they actually use the pattern fully. Obviously the pattern of what they use, like not the exact same feed, not the same exact loaf, but they do do a transition of like a natural goose um, does, you know, they don't just get pushed off of multiple things throughout pressure time. You know, they absolutely go throughout their, um, their loaf or sorry, the roost feed and loaf or right off the bat in early season, do they kind of not do all those three things? Like you're saying they don't. Okay. No. Yeah, not that, I mean, not that I've witnessed, like I said, that when it comes to luck, you know, right. you could be, you could be hunting, uh, for instance, I know last year there was guys that were hunting, uh, birds that were coming off the same roost. Well, one of them was in their feed field. The other one was in the loaf. Those birds got right up off the roost and went straight to the loaf. You know, generally speaking, uh, it was probably more based on weather. You know, it was a very sunny day. It was warm on opener last year. It was still out. So those geese really didn't have much ambition to go out and feed. Um, so they went right from their roost to the loaf. And those guys got them. The guys that were in the feed field, never seen a goose. They didn't come back. You know, so you have that. And also, you know, this time of year, these, these, these geese, especially the younger geese, you know, it's kind of a snor smorgasbord appetite. They're, they're gonna, by early season, you know, early September, they're going to start consuming grains. You know, they're going to get in these uh, wheat and barley fields and uh, sweet corn fields and stuff like that and peas. They're going to start consuming grain, but a big part of their diet still, too, is insects. Um, so that's why they're getting into the, the, the alfalfa and the oats and stuff like that. And a lot of times when you see them in these fields, they're right on the edges. You know, they're right on a waterway. They're right up against a ditch on a county road. That's because there's so many bugs coming out of that high grass that are in the ditch in the waterway and they're just sitting there chomping grasshoppers and toads and whatever else they can eat so the next day they might go and sit in a sweet corn field then they might just go to the loaf then they might just go into town and sit in a parking lot and eat grit and french fries you know it's a <laughs> it's a constant battle to try to uh predict what they're going to do next generally speaking I think uh, I'm more apt to hunt a loaf if it's real clear and sunny and just kind of benign out. If I get any type of clouds or wind or moisture or anything like that, I think there's a pretty safe bet they're probably going to go to the feed field. Mm -hmm. And once you get to that feed field, um, I guess like what I've always done in early season is keep it to like the normal basis of like family groups and keep it small. You know, the biggest thing sure. is not throwing the kitchen sink at them. 
once you get out in a field, what's like one of the biggest things that you do first off the bat besides hide? I mean, hide is always number one, but when it comes to decoy and calling, what is the biggest number one thing that you do? Well, my tune on this has definitely changed over the years. Okay. You know, um, when I, when I started early season goose hunting, I, you know, I grew up in a small town of Matterville, which is just west of Rochester, five, 10 miles. Okay. That town had 70 to 200 geese on a given year. And those geese primarily roosted in town or they roosted on a guy's pasture pond creek system that didn't let anybody hunt so and you couldn't hunt water anyways back then so i had those geese they weren't gonna move they weren't gonna you know they were they were in that area for the three week or two week two and a half week three week early season so i knew i was going to be able to hunt them quite a bit because they weren't moving anywhere and i was really you know that's that's where the, you know, don't show them all the tricks, you know, just kind of chip away at them. If they throw out a six of spades, throw out a seven of hearts, you know, just something to trump them just a little bit each day to get after them. Over time, and how much pressure these birds get, and especially, you know, in Minnesota, I'm talking a little bit more, but I think it's pretty evident anywhere across the country. I mean, tons of guys are going up to North Dakota for early season, stuff right. like that, South Dakota, you name it. So my tune has changed quite a bit. That's because I think the goose has changed quite a bit i think once he hits pressure he really snaps and he's going to go somewhere that's safe he's going to move out of the area he's going to move into town uh and you know you the the the, the back of your mind is always like when is this roost going to get jumped you know these guys <laughs> you know it happens every year so i think my tune on early season goose hunting has changed a little bit my goal out there is to try to really to try to to try to get as many of them as I can. That might be throwing out a bigger number of spread. That might be throwing out a better number of decoys. That might be doing more calling, flagging, hunting in the middle of the field, whatnot, is that I think, uh, I think I'm going for a big bang versus worried about the education on them. I, you know, I think my tune on that has changed quite a bit okay. over the years because uh, it seems like you get one good crack at these things and, it, and it's all subject to where you live. You know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota, and you got a pocket of geese that really isn't getting bothered, well then yes, you know, just, just show them just enough, just enough to get by each day. But if you're in an area that's got a lot of hunters, you know, the roost probably gets jumped, you know, these birds have a tendency of moving. Heck, if I got that spot opening day, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them what I think I need to to really do the job and not worry about the education I'm putting on them. So you kind of want to stick out in the field more or less, than, absolutely, than just the little little knickknacks. You kind of want to not like you're saying with the whole educational standpoint is, is that you want to be able to give them everything that you think you need to stand out to even fool yeah, them not more. to not to you know like back in the day I would I would I would. You know, it was primarily I hunted a lot by myself or me and a buddy or something like that. And we could shoot five back then. But, you know, I would set up to where, you know, I would just try to get a flock in. You know, and if I got two flocks in, great. But just try to get one flock in, shoot a couple geese each day. Uh, now, if I have that spot, uh, so to speak, I would say like, like back then too, if I had the X, because we were farmers back then. So I knew a lot of the farmers and kind of had a lot of permission and stuff like that. So I primarily had the X they were feeding in. Well, I would hunt them in between, traffic them, let them go to the feed field, let them stay in there, hunt them on traffic a couple of days, and then go shoot the feed field. Now, 
if I have the choice, I'm going right to the X and I'm going to, I'm going to try to try to do some damage just because I, you know, I don't think they're going to stay around very long. Isn't it very interesting each year, you know, we, we start to live the day of hunting and it, and it finally comes and then it goes so fast. But like each year, it seems like right before it comes, everybody starts to get the itch. Everyone, like obviously the itch is always there throughout the year, but it's very interesting and very exciting seeing the aperture change right from a month away, you know, 30 days away, the whole countdown um, posts are coming up. It's, it just ruffles my feathers in a good way, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, I mean, if you're a waterfall hunter and it's what you love to do, um, you know, it's what you live for, you know, I mean, uh, you know, outside of other things, but I mean, as far as, uh, you know, hobbies and stuff like that, I mean, I would, I remember last week I was mowing lawn one evening and it was a cool day. I think the high here was like 70 degrees or something like that. And it was like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and I was mowing and just a cool North wind hit me and it, I don't know. It's almost like I got goosebumps, you know, it's just, <laughs> it felt like fall, you know, it's just, I've always said it, everything's better during goose season, you know, just, uh, just your mood in the morning, you know that you could go hunting if you wanted to, the scouting, the phone calls, the texts, the trips around town, seeing the migration, you know, just hearing the geese. It's just everything's better during goose season. Are you going to try I, I want to make a post uh, eventually right when season comes because I want a lot of people to start intaking what they're doing rather than just wanting to um, get out there. You know, once you're actually out there hunting, you know, taking what you are actually doing rather than just pushing it because we're always at the end of the season. Every single one of us is always going, dang, it's already over. So uh, it's the, it's the nature of the beast that I kind of want to push. Like, it does. And so that's why I kind of want to throw the bits of like soak it in a little bit more this year, you know, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, that, I think that's a process that definitely comes with age. Yeah. You know, I think there's I a, agree. I think there's a maturity process in waterfall hunters, you know, from, from just going on your first hunt to getting that first goose to shooting your first limit to shooting limits with buddies. And then you're going to go through a 10 year spell that you just want to just put up piles, you know, and then you're <laughs> yeah. going to go through a five, six year spell that you really focus in on who you're hunting with, the quality of the hunt. You still really want to get after them, but you know, it's just kind of the quality and you want to do it right. And then you get, you know, uh, I think I think I think you get into even more so than that, and just kind of enjoying a cup of coffee. And if you shoot one, you do. You get more into the conservation side of things. I think it's just a maturity of a waterfall hunter, and I think that just comes with time. Spend the field year after year. You know, I think with, you know, if you've hunted for 15 years, you're going to look back and go, man, that went by pretty quick. I better start, <laughs> you know, really enjoying this a little bit more, you know, and then, and then if you're doing it for 30 years, then you're like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's more about just a good conversation and a cup of coffee and don't get me wrong. I still like to get after them, but there is, there is other aspects of the hunt that uh, stick out as much as, you know, as, as, as the number of birds you take at the end of the day, for sure. It is great to see the growth in people though, too. And it's just, I'm trying to speak on it to speed up the process for other people. So that way maybe they can look into it a little bit further rather than just, you know, have to go through that whole growth, you know, but the growth does come and it is great to go through that growth. But at the same time, it's great to speak on it, to show people that later on it is going to be like this and it is still great to do it in this realm, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You try to convey it, but, uh, 
you know, I think unfortunately the only way to really make it stick is just time. Yeah. Time. You know, I mean, uh, you know, that 21 year old that's in a fight over a field by the time he's 41, he's going to realize how dumb that was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's just one of those things. It takes time. And, you know, you, you hear guys talk about, you know, I'm 40 years old right now. And you hear guys, Oh, this next generation coming up, these 20 year olds, hey, they're not sportsmen. Well, we were all that way when we were 20 years old, exactly. you know, it's just, uh, um, so it's, I, I just think it's uh, something that progresses over time and days spent in the field and season pass. And you'll realize that, you know, those friends that you lost over something stupid and waterfall hunting probably was not totally at all worth it, you know, or this, that, and other and whatnot. And you probably realize that it was, uh, you know, important to travel and see other places and meet other people and stuff like that. So I think it's something that comes over time. Yeah. We try to speed it up and, you know, talk about it, but I think, uh, I think time is the ultimate thing that's going to teach people that. No, I'd have to agree with you on that. I, I truly have to agree with you on that. It's just that <laughs> I still got to stick to my right. point. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah. It's nothing wrong with talking about it. Absolutely. With your reflection yep. on early season and everybody getting back after it, um, are you going to get out in the field right off the bat before business or is business overcome when it comes to early season? Well, no, I love to, I mean, I love to hunt. Like I told you before, I, I yeah. miss some average days. I never miss a great day. Um, so I try to get out there. The one thing about us here in Rochester that's a little bit unique for a lot of areas is we have a 64 and a quarter square mile refuge. Um, and another thing that's changed is we just don't have that many dairy farmers in our part of the neck of the woods. Uh, back when I was growing up, you know, I lived on a dairy farm. The neighbors, every neighbor was a dairy farmer. They picked silage. They had alfalfa. They had oats. They had, you know, so there was a lot of field options for these birds. Now, I mean, boy, I would have to drive around for a while just to see a silage field, you know, somewhere. Um, so these birds you know, they, they don't venture out very much. They just, there's just not a ton of opportunity around the Rochester area. Now, uh, my, uh, coworker here, Ryan, um, he lives west of here about 15 miles. There's some opportunity around there. So yeah, we get out, we get some invites, especially during like the molt migration when it's going to hit, uh, that cold first north wind of september you know we might go up uh hunt with some people and stuff like that i would say on average i probably hunt four or five days during that september season hmm. uh probably two of them during the molt days and then maybe a couple of them sprinkled in you know they're just it's not that i don't want to there's just not a ton of opportunity and uh um but i sure look for it but it, you know it's just not a ton you know and i'll say this if uh uh, there is one month that, uh, can drag me down. It's, it's hot mosquito filled, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, it, it's goose hunting, but it doesn't feel like goose hunting. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, it's there. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, on molt migrator days, I think that's, I mean, honestly, that's one of the funnest days I have every single year. Uh, love that day, but, uh, you know, the, the, the setting up in the field and hoping they kind of come back or whatever, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, you know, one what's, of those type of deals. What's more miserable, the heat and mosquitoes or high winds and snow and cold weather? 
Without oh, heat and mosquitoes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. So yeah, yeah I- <laughs> no, I can deal with negative 10 any day of the year. 95 degrees, I melt like sugar. I mean, I just yeah. do not. I don't do. I deal with the heat, but I, I just, I, give me negative 10. I'll deal with that a lot better than uh, 90, 95 degrees for sure. Yeah. I kind of fell off the beaten path because we didn't finish um, what I wanted to get out of you. But calling, we didn't we didn't speak mm-hmm. about calling. So I mean, calling in early season is it is it a all blast or stick out kind of thing? I mean, what is what is your push on that? You know, you gotta. I think you gotta read the room a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, if you're let's just say a majority of early season hunts by I think guys across the upper Midwest are probably going to be on X fields. Well, if those geese are coming to you, um, um. I, I try to hit them kind of early with a little sequence. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, you're sitting on the X, you know, the birds are coming back, you see them off in the distance, they're starting to raise off the, the roost or the, the loaf, come back at night or whatever the case may be, but you see them off in the distance and they're coming at you. Well, when those birds get, let's say, four or 500 yards away, uh, you know they can hear you. I'm going to try to hit them with a little bit of a sequence, something a little bit excited, and kind of get the temperature of those birds. Uh, if they, What I'm trying to get them to do is lose more altitude. Um, you know, okay. early season geese, they fly pretty low compared to the rest of the season to begin with, but I really want to get them low. I want to get them scraping because, you know, <laughs> something in a goose's body weight, uh, you know, when they get below 20, 25 feet or something like that, they're, the balance of their body changes a little bit, almost like they have to land, you know. And I want to get them, A, excited, you know, maybe they'll start flipping a little bit, they'll start breaking up, they'll start losing altitude. Then I know I got to, you know, this is probably, I don't have to do much after that. So I, I hit them actually pretty early to try to get them a little bit excited, get them a little bit lower uh, versus letting them just, kind of come at me and hope I don't have to do a lot and they come in. Um, I want to get them a little bit excited, let them know that I'm there. Um, Cause those early season geese, one thing they really are is they're very, and it, it kind of depends uh, if you're hunting a lot of one and two year old non-breeding geese or you're hunting a lot of resident geese. And what I mean by that is if you're driving down a road and you look out and there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an oat field that's been picked, right? And there's 70 geese out in that field and they're all in groups of three to eight and they're all 20 yards apart. Well, that is probably a local population of breeding geese that have raised their young there. And when they came out into the field, they really spread out. They don't want much to do with ever anybody. You know, that's why they're spread out. Well, you could drive a mile two down the road and you see a sweet corn field or another oat field or whatever it is. And there's, you know, 200 geese out there and they're pretty, pretty kind of clumped up, you know, they're, they're together. Well, those are probably geese that are coming out in bigger flocks. They're probably one and two year old non-breeding geese that bunched together and went through the molt process together. Well, the situation on how you hunt those a little bit, depending on what field you're going to hunt, you know, those, those resident geese, they're probably not going to want to try to get in as tight and decoy as close as those non non-breeding geese are you know so a little bit of it is set up on you know what geese i'm actually hunting um you know is it is it residents or is it non-breeding geese or is it a mix of both and then you can kind of read the room you know if a flock of five comes out and 
you know, you're in a field with a little bit of combination of both in it, flock of five comes out, you know, uh, you might just want to lay off of them a little bit and try to, you know, let them do their thing. Chances are they're probably going to land short or a little bit wide anyway. So hopefully you got your decoy spread set up accordingly. But if a flock of 25 comes out next, you know, try to get those guys excited early, try to get them low. And those are the ones that are probably going to finish in, you know, pretty tight to your decoy spread. So when it comes to calling, you know, I, I hit them pretty early in all situations to get them excited, get them pinned on me, get them low, um, which is something I might not do, you know, the rest of the season, but early season I do it just to kind of, you know, take their temperature a little bit and uh, get them excited and hopefully get them lower. That's very interesting how you spoke about that. And a lot of people probably could learn off of that because there's a lot of differences when it comes to early season geese. And with that aspect, you can push a new um, volume on them and then they might like react to it differently because a lot of people start, there, there is a logistics to all things when it comes to hunting. And I've always learned that, you know, don't go hard at them. And now here I'm listening to you and it's kind of interesting that, you know, well, he, no, 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 it depends on where you live. You right. know, I mean, it's all subject, you know, I'm just talking personally in my area. And I think a lot of guys in Minnesota too, they're starting to figure out that, Hey man, we got one crack at these things. Uh, and then they're out of here. They're not going to fly anymore. They're going to eat grass for the next month, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, times have changed a little bit on that, right. at least in our neck of the woods, but like I said, you know, you got to just take the temperature of your area. And a lot of it depends on how you hunt is based on how other people in your area hunt and how many of them are doing it. You know, um, um, that, that's, that's a big part of hunting right there. I think in waterfall hunting is, is do you have an area to yourself? Is there medium pressure? Is there a ton of pressure, you know, and you, you adjust accordingly and change your tactics based on not only what the geese like, but also how other people are hunting them. And I will say the best learning tactic is to test everything in your area and then reflect on it. You know, if they like it, keep doing it in that area on what you do. You know, if it's decoy sure. calling or, or sorry, decoy setups or calling or edge hides, this or that. I mean, it's hard to speak tactics when you hunt so hard in one area. You know, we can't hunt in all, you know, states across the United States throughout the season. We don't know all the birds everywhere, but it's like an aspect of like, we're giving tactics of what, you know, yourself and I have seen in the areas that we hunt, but you can take that somewhere else, but you can't just stay to that tactic, you know, try it, but also try something different. You know, you can always learn so much off of a goose in your area, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. I think it's the, the matter of time. Once it's like reflects back to what we were talking about it. Um, like a hunter growth, you know, the growth of a hunter, even just in that aspect, like learning how you hunt and learning how, like it, what works for you. You know, if you're killing geese and you, you listen to this episode and you're like, well, I kill them this way and I'm not going to do it that way. That's great. You know, but it's the tactics of people that maybe are in a stump each year. And it's great to talk about it in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if, uh, you know, like I said, uh, we're, we're in Rochester, and every area of the country has different pressure. Um, I still think a Canada goose is a Canada goose wherever you hunt them. Um, but there's, it just, there's some areas you don't have to go that far. Some areas have never been that far. Some areas, uh, you know, you pull up a trailer with a thousand decoys in it. They'll look at you like, 
you know, you got three heads because the only thing they've ever had to use was three dozen decoys, and that works, and that's that's awesome. So it's all subject to, you know, each individual area, you know, um, and how much pressure it gets and, uh, um, you know, how many people are hunting them, and, you know, I think I think that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. With all the bases hit, um, we're going to keep doing this monthly molt gear, Mr. Scott, and I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot off of it. And also, it's just going to be a, a fun uh, journey throughout the season, you know, because yeah. there's just a lot of taxes to withhold for everyone to learn off of. And there's oh, a lot there's of people. There's tons that, of things to oh, talk about. There is. Yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. Hunting is so much fun. And see you at Game Fair, Scott. I'll be up there. And nonetheless, Wonderful. man, um, hopefully you get out hunting. You know, I, I know you say it's like every once in a while, but. You need to get out hunting more, Scott. I promise you. Okay? Oh, I, I get my fill-in. I get my fill-in. I get my fill-in. You don't have to worry about that. No. Okay. I'll say this. One thing I'll leave people with, uh, you know, early season goose hunting is, is and this kind of comes a little bit like what we talked about earlier, just the time and the year spent in the field and maturity. But, you know, I know everybody, you know, it's early season. We're jacked. We're, uh, you know, ready to go. People are scouting. They want to get out there. They're sleeping in fields overnight, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> just remember that, you know, uh, to be, be a sportsman yeah. about whatever situation you're in. Um, and just know that, you know, if, if, if you get beat to the field or if something goes wrong, or something, it, it's just one day. You know, and we got the next four or five months, depending on the areas you're in, to make up for it. And just know that uh, um, these geese will get more consistent as the weather changes. We'll get more of them in certain areas and stuff like that. So just take 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 early season, take opening day, be a sportsman, just enjoy that goose season is back, and uh, um, um, just just glad you uh, you know turn the calendar again to see it one more time. I will say on the same beaten path is that be safe. It's all a lot of energy. You know, I mean, it's go back to the basis of gun safety, even in your group, you know, touch base with your group, even though you maybe haven't seen them in a while or this, that, the other, you know, it's still being safe. I mean, guns are still a priority thing to really reflect on. So absolutely. Every single time out, you bet. Absolutely. Well, Scott, it was nice having you on again, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. I think it's two weeks now or something like that, isn't it? Next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Uh, I'm excited. First booth that I'll ever own, or sorry, run or anything of that nature in my first, so we'll see how it goes. So That's going to be awesome. Well, it's always fun to get out and uh, see everybody excited about the season, and some people you see once a year up there at that show, and it's just good to be around uh, – you know, kind of come out of our summer shell, so to speak, and get around a lot of waterfall hunters and talk waterfall hunting and uh, just know that the best time of the year is just a few short weeks away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to end this one and we're going to see a lot more of this, Scott, okay? Sounds good, Levi. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, guys, for listening. All right. Take care. Bye.